0: Well, hello. It is so lovely to be here, and it's lovely um, in my short time here this morning just to have seen some familiar faces from New Wine as well. So I feel like I'm amongst friends. Really good to be here with you. And when I was invited to come <clears throat> and speak this morning, I was told that uh, you were, in, uh, during the course of the year, going to be having these mica conversations, conversations where you're addressing and engaging with issues of justice, Have any of you been around on Sundays when one of those happened you've had other visitors great well this is in that stream so this morning we're thinking about global poverty because obviously that is one of the key issues when we think about justice the fact that there is poverty in the world is an offense it's offense to the lord it grieves him and it's something he calls his church to respond to so it's something that we're going to be thinking about this morning and uh, tear fund many of you will know some of you may not Uh, and as Andrew talked about us then you may not have known what we do well we're a Christian International Relief and Development Organisation who are passionate about ending poverty and seeing communities across the world flourish. And we believe powerfully and passionately that the local church is the vehicle through which God longs to bring restoration to broken places, broken lives, broken communities. And so we work with local churches, denominations and organizations in over 50 countries. And uh, we do have a mutual friend, as Charles Dickens would say, in Archbishop Jackson in Kenya. Um, Someone who I I had forgotten, but you're right, I think it was the relationship this church had with Tearfund initially that introduced you to him. And he's a man who we've been working with for many, many years. And um, extraordinary transformation happening. When he was a bishop in his Uh, diocese of Cariccio we worked with him now he's the archbishop with a a man of great influence to impact a whole nation so this morning I'm going to be telling you about some of the amazing things that we're seeing God do in the world Um, and Jack's going to share some stuff later on today and help us think about some of the challenges that we face so on the one hand there's great cause to for thanksgiving but on the other hand there are some serious issues to engage with um, so I'm going to be thinking this morning about how we're working with local churches to see people lifted out of poverty. And then, as Andrew said later, um, Jack's going to be thinking around. We're going to do an interactive session this afternoon and then this evening, thinking more around the church's response to climate change, uh, plastic pollution and things like that. So I live up in Sheffield near Doncaster where we've had floods this week. Have you had floods down this way? Yeah. And I remember, actually, a friend of ours is Vikram Tewkesbury, and I remember that being very badly flooded. I don't know if it is at the minute. Um, But I wonder whether we've heard as much recently about the floods that have hit the Central African Republic. There, you've had 10,000 people in the last month who have lost everything, and they've had to run and fifty seven thousand people taking refuge in churches in schools and community centers, a thousand wells across that country have been flooded, so people don 't have access to clean essential water that they need that 's a country that 's been devastated by conflict since uh, two thousand and twelve resulting in more than half the population resulting um, relying on humanitarian assistance resist- to survive so At the heart of these floods and these erratic weather patterns that we're seeing more and more of is climate change. And um, this is resulting in humanitarian crises across the world in different countries. It's inconvenient to us here, isn't it? But we do have resources to respond. It provokes big questions and it needs a response from our governments. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see whether what that debate happens. If some of you clock that, that there's been the challenge put out to have a debate by all the major party leaders to um, discuss climate change. I'm not sure that every single one of them has agreed to that yet. But it's a it's a really live issue that is actually impacting Um, people living in poverty so much more than it is in our own country so more of that later uh, but for now let's just think a little bit about um, I want to tell you some stories really and uh, help you understand how we're working at Tearfund with local churches across the world and I want to start by telling you there is great news when we think about the whole realm of global poverty I've got some good news for you And there's also some bad news. Now, the great news is that for the first time in history, world poverty is falling, which is great news, isn't it? Really good. So um, millions of families across the world have made a great escape from poverty. Uh, Life expectancy is increasing. Diseases like malaria and measles are retreating. There are more children in school than ever. And the daily infant mortality rate that's how many children are dying, has halved since 1990. So every single day there are 17,000 more children who are living to fulfil their potential than there were. Since 1990, that's good news, isn't it? So really great advances through lots of effort, multiple ways that effort has been impacting the world. So that's something to celebrate. The problem is that golden age that we are seeing in many places and that we're living in is not extended to everybody, and there are a million, a billion, sorry, a billion people trapped in poverty at the bottom. And the really important thing, and I want you to go away knowing today. Well, there are several things, but here's one of them. First one up, is that um, we're at a tipping point now we're at a really crucial time in world history where there's a tipping point this advance and um poverty retreating is about to go the other way and start increasing again and that is down to climate change which is thrusting people back into poverty people living in fragile states um, like central african republic like nigeria where you have conflict meaning that the governments do not have the capacity to cope with the different um crises that hit their country and so they're constantly on their knees and in fact the gap between those countries and the developing world is growing wider so this is a real tipping point and it's really a point at which we have to engage so um let me tell you a story about that about one person just to bring that home because you know here we are gathered in Cheltenham and uh our own lives we know all the stuff they're wrapped up and often it's a story that will bring home the reality of what this is like for someone so um did you get given in your little bag of little bits and pieces when you came in this morning you got given a card let me see if I can find mine it's a card and if you open it up you'll see inside a woman and she's called Ruth and she lives in Nigeria. And um, Nigeria is one of... um, Ruth is one of the one billion people living in extreme poverty. And she's married, and she's got five surviving children. Two of them live at home with her and her husband. And they live in a really very, very poor community in a remote area where there's no sanitation and only pond water to drink, so they don't have a clean water source. And changes in weather patterns recently for them has meant um, they've got real difficulty accessing water, meaning that their harvests are poor. And uh, in Ruth's family, they have this hunger gap every year of three or four months in the year when they're hungry every single day. During that day, it's a struggle for her to feed her family. And... um, You know, life is very hard when you have your children with their stomachs hurting, begging you for food, and you cannot do anything about it. So we've got a short film here where you'll just see, meet Ruth, you'll meet Ruth, see what she uh, has to say a little bit about her life. Let's see that. So that's Ruth. And her main problem is actually just feeding her children. And I, I can't, I've got three grown-up children now, grandchildren. I can't imagine what it would be like to not actually be able to give them children, not uh, food, not to be able to enable them to go to school. Uh, if they're sick, not to be able to buy medicines that they need. But that's the reality of her life, the reality of living on less than $2 a day. Uh, which nearly a billion people in the the world do. And on journeys that I've done overseas with Tear Fund and other organisations, I've met women like Ruth, and actually it makes you understand what gruelling poverty is like, where they can't see beyond the next day. Their focus is only on the next day, on food for that day. They can't imagine a future when life would be any different. They can't plan for it, because actually all they can do is the next day and keeping their children alive. And it just seems wrong. I'm sure, I can't imagine there'd be a person in this room who would uh, agree or disagree that it's wrong in a time like this, in a day in this age, that actually you have people like Ruth living like that. Um, I was yesterday down in Winchester at a Christmas fair. I imagine we're all going to be going to Christmas fairs. We're going to be doing Christmas shopping. We are able to spend so readily on those that we love. And then you see the lives of people like Ruth where they're just struggling, for the bare necessities. And um, I want to open the Bible together. I don't know if you've got Bible or open your phone. And I want us to look at, actually, it's a really familiar passage. You're not going to groan when I tell you what passage we're going to read. Um, If you turn to Mark 6, uh, it's a really familiar passage. But you know, it's the feeding of the 5,000, and it actually addresses these issues and how tier funds work in in a way that, you know I hadn't thought of in that way until I came across people like Ruth who talked about how the Bible had opened their eyes to see their lives differently so I'm going to read um, from verse 30 Uh, if you want to read you can listen if you just prefer to listen or you can read along So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So at this point, I think of New Wine. It's like 10,000, you know, 5,000 men and you've got all the women and children. Can you imagine a a situation at New Wine kind of arranging people in groups of 50s and 100s? The mind boggles. Um, So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish and the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So the group was a whole lot bigger than 5,000, wasn't it? Because all the women and children... What an amazing um, story that is. And I know it's familiar to probably very many of us. Um, so two things, one very briefly and one a little bit more that I want to draw out of this passage of Scripture. Because I think it speaks powerfully to um, the situation of global poverty and certainly how Tear Fund is engaging with it as a challenge. So the passage describes a situation where there's a great need. There's a spiritual need. Uh, People were following Jesus, lapping up his teaching. And there was a material need as well. People were hungry. They were hungry for healing. They were hungry for food. And it's the same today. There's a a great spiritual need in the world. There's a spiritual hunger around. Lovely to hear of people coming to faith this morning at Alpha. And even though numbers are small in our country, across the world, the, the church is growing rapidly because people are hungry for engagement with the God who created them. And there's material hunger across the world. One billion people living like Ruth in um, extreme poverty. So this story addresses situations where there are great needs, and it raises questions about, one, our responsibility to those in need, and two, how we can best help those who are in need. So very quickly, firstly, our responsibility to those in need. Uh, Verse 34 says, when Jesus... Landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And in other gospels uh, of this story, the accounts of this story, it talks about how he healed them, the sick. And as the story goes on, we see that he's concerned that they don't have food. And we see here that Jesus is clearly bothered about the spiritual sides of their lives, but not only that, but the physical sides of their lives as well. And he demonstrates really clearly that God is concerned about every aspect of a person's life and wants to meet those needs and see them met. Now, by contrast, you have the disciples and they're tired and they're inclined to leave the people to find their own food. Verse 35, it says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, it's already late. Send the people away to go and find the food themselves. You see, the disciples have done a lot of ministry. Maybe it's a bit like they've been out on street pastors, you know, all night, and they're, they're tired. He took them away to a remote place to rest, and suddenly there's another crowd in front of them. They've been doing nonstop ministry. And um, they want to do their equivalent of kind of snuggling up and watching strictly for the evening. They just want to switch off for a while and I know that I feel like that when I'm faced with need. When I'm faced with need in Sheffield where I live and I walk by someone on the street or I hear about someone in need, sometimes I don't want to be inconvenienced and there are limits on what I'm prepared to do. I'm happy to help but I really love my own comforts and it's easy, is it not, to turn away and to switch off. We do something but we have a limit And the problem is that Jesus engages and challenges us to respond. The disciples wanted to go home, but he doesn't let them off the hook that easily. He says, nope, you give them something to eat. You engage with this issue. And so we can see here that we've got a responsibility to those in need. We can't just turn a blind eye, absorbed by the kind of appetites that our culture creates and feeds in us absorbing our lives with those things and turning a blind eye from those in need whether it's in our country or further afield and we need to be really careful when we think about the gospel message and the scope of the kingdom of God not to limit it the signs and wonders that we long to see to legs being mended backs being healed it's far greater when the kingdom of God explodes across this world and we see it come in fullness, it addresses situations like Ruth's. And we see shalom and wholeness and the fullness of, you know, the kingdom life breaking forth into lives like hers. Throughout scripture, we see that God has a bias for the poor, a concern for those who are in need. One of my favorite passages is from Jeremiah 22. And God's really laying into the kings of the day who are unjust. They are building great palaces for themselves. Um, they are using forced labor. They're not being fair in their dealings with people. And he really, come, when he comes to Shalom, one of them called Shalom, he's Josiah, King Josiah's son. King Josiah was a great king. And God holds him up as an example of someone who's good compared to these other kings who he can't ab- abide how they're living. And he says of King Josiah, He defended the cause of the poor and needy. Is that not what it means to know me, says God? I love that. He defended the cause of the poor and needy. Is that not what it means to know me, says God? So firstly, we know from this story and other scriptures that actually our responsibility towards those in need is to respond. We can't turn a blind eye. So then we have to move on to think about, okay, so how do we respond? How do we help people in need? And this is a deeper question, uh, but there are some fascinating insights in this story to how we might go about that. Um, So the disciples' response to the challenge was total disbelief. That would cost the earth, Jesus. We could spend half a year's wages Buying food for all these people, and they can't imagine how it would be possible to feed that many people who are hungry. Possibly well over 10,000 people, so they feel overwhelmed at the prospect of trying to meet such a great need. And we, as we look at the world around us, we might at times feel overwhelmed. You know, we might assent and say, Yes, we've got to engage, but then we look at the scale of the problem, we just feel you know, even if I do something, how is is the problem ever going to be solved? We might do little bits in pockets here and there. How is the problem going to be solved? And we can feel like that when we look at a country like Nigeria, where despite its immense resources and pockets of wealth, it suffers widespread um, poverty, food shortages there, affecting millions of people. And years of crippling military rule have left Nigeria's population vulnerable to conflict. Enter Boko Haram and you've had in the last seven years 20,000 people who have been killed in attacks led by them. You have about 1.7 people now, um, 1.7 people, 1.7 million people now living in displaced people's camps. An estimated 7.7 million people in need of humanitarian assistance. And many parts of northeast um, Nigeria on the brink of famine. This is probably going to be on our screens, television screens very soon. And These numbers just blow my mind if you tell you you these numbers. In Nigeria, there are 86.9 million. That's nearly 90, isn't it? 86.9 million Nigerians, nearly 50% of those. Sorry, I've got that wrong. There are 180 million people in Nigeria, and 86.9 million of them are living in extreme poverty, My mind can't get over those kind of numbers, and it's easy when you look at problems like that to feel overwhelmed and wonder, is there anything that we can do? So the disciples asked, how can we feed these people? We could spend half a year's wages buying food for all these people, and we might say, how can we solve the world's problems? How are they ever going to be solved And Jesus has something very different in mind to the disciples. And this is the absolute key to it and the key to how we help people in poverty. We've got to start looking at the problem differently. We have to see things differently. And we see this. If we look at Jesus, it's a bit of a clue and it's helped us as Tearfund to think about how we work. So um, Jesus says, how much bread do you have? In other words, he says, what have you got? What have we got here in our hands, not what haven't we got, but what have we got, well it's actually, you know, in the instance there, it was a bit laughable, they had a few fish, and they had uh, five loaves, and two fish, very little, but Jesus says, that's okay, it's enough, we're going to use what we've got, and with our Father in heaven, that's okay, and then we see him do something amazing, um, the disciples, um, Uh, just watch in amazement as he thanks God for this food, the little that they have. And then he he blesses it and he tells them to distribute it. And they see this extraordinary miracle take place in front of their eyes. There's enough to feed everyone and 12 baskets left over. And the miracle takes place in that instance because Jesus saw the situation differently and he was not focusing on their lack, on what they don't have. Instead, he looked at what they do have giving thanks and looking to God, his father in heaven, and thanking him. And for me, this story wonderfully illustrates how Tearfund Fund works. At the heart of our church and community transformation with churches in Nigeria and, and in 50 countries across the world, um, we help people to see their situation differently and not to focus on what they don't have but to focus on what they do have and do something with that. And as the pastor on this film said, the key to it, to helping this mindset change happen, is Bible studies. So Tier Fund comes alongside local churches, denominations, and we help them to use the Bible to help people think differently about their situation. And that happened to Ruth, and it brings about an incredible mindset change. So I've met... I remember a woman in uh, Uganda I met on the first trip I went to with Tearfan called Mary. And she said she wasn't a believer. She was hungry every day. And she went into a church because she heard something was going on. She heard this passage being read. And she said, I heard there was a God who cared for hungry people. And they explored what that meant. If that's true, what happens in this story? What does it teach us? Well, it teaches us that when we work together, the disciples work together with God, The lack of what we don't have is not a problem. We use the little that we do have and great things happen. So, you know, I've heard women talk about, and this is what Mary um, Ruth says in this film here, that they start using the little they have. They organize themselves into groups. So Ruth was in a self-help group where they study the Bible together. They think about the implications for their lives. And do you know, as we were were talking about, we were singing about the way, the truth, and the life before, and I was thinking, you're thinking about the way that we live, aren't you? And there's one of the most grievous things to me at the moment is the, the the erosion of truth. We see it in the political realm, but we also see how the enemy in the world is blinding the eyes of people to see God's truth, and he's blinding them to see Uh, what's possible with God, what the kingdom of God would look like. Well, we are helping churches understand what the truth is. So Ruth has understand not what the world tells her, which is you're poor, you're hungry, nothing's possible. You just need a charity to come from outside and give you food, give you this and that. And she's discovered, no, I've got hardly anything. But actually, if I learn some farming techniques, if I use the land around me, suddenly I can do things. And there is change ahead of me in my life. There's a truth that will bring about change. And the key is helping people see it and helping people understand what's possible. So Ruth has joined this self-help group. Bible studies are helping her think differently. And um, she's using the tiny amount that she has, but actually it's making a difference. These small groups, they're a bit like your, do you have, uh, you'll have small groups. I bet loads of you are in groups. But the groups that they have, as well as reading the Bible together, sharing their problems, praying for each other, caring for their neighbors, uh, doing some witness to the way they see God work, they save. And they ha- they're like a microfinance little group and they can take out loans and then they can develop and do n- different things with the money that they raise. So Ruth was able to take a loan to buy fertilizer and her crop yields have rocketed from three to five bags of maize. She's now getting 13 bags of maize. She's been taught to diversify her plants, uh, meaning that she's harvesting beans at a different time of year to her maize. She's using different planting methods that meaning one tiny bean sown can yield 70 to 80 beans. Extraordinary. And I know that through the farm school model that you know and are investing in, you're seeing The amazing transformation that can bring about in people's lives. And uh, Ruth said that um, this is what she described about her mind and being part of the group. She said, sometimes I would wake in the night and I couldn't stop thinking about the situation I was in and how much we were struggling. I still have sleepless nights, but now I think about what I can do to bring about change. My hope is that through my self-help group, God will open more doors so I can take the money I've saved and start to make changes. And her mind is not full of fears anymore, but of hope for the future. And being part of that group has helped Ruth to understand how God has plans and purposes so much greater than she ever imagined for her life. She believed in God, but now she understands that he has a a desire to bless her. And um, this is just glorious. Her story is just one of so many that help us understand how Tier Fund is working. We've realized in the whole realm of development um, that there are different ways to address poverty that don't cost the earth, where rather than a few impacted, you have thousands and millions impacted. And Uh, The key to it is a mindset change, helping people's minds to be changed. So we help churches and local communities to find sustainable ways, not dependent on someone coming in, doing something for a short time, going away. But if you turn on this thing in their mind to get them seeing what's possible, then it just is endless, the possibilities with them. So since we first launched our church and community transformation work in 2001, We've reached more than 10 million people in 41 countries. It's an extraordinary miracle. We're scaling up that work through whole denominations. So Archbishop Jackson in Kenya, he was one of our trainers that helped his local churches in his diocese to do these Bible studies and began to see amazing transformation happen in his diocese. He's now the archbishop and he's saying, I want that process in every diocese in my country. And he's looking at his diocese and he's saying the farm schools that have done this church and community transformation work first, they are flourishing in a way that other ones aren't. Because people are realising as soon as they start the farm school model, they know they can make changes. And so they run with it. And he's basically got this vision for... Tier Fund's approach to help everybody get that mindset change and then these other charities to come in in different ways, different interventions. And he knows that the, the grass is almost, fer- the, the soil's fertilised, people's minds have been prepared. So it's in these ways that actually we are going to see a real impact. I honestly believe that Tier Fund's approach in mobilising local churches And working with denominations like this and scaling it up is going to see whole nations changed. This is such a strategic work that we're doing. I just thank God for the amazing way that he's working in and through us. So um, I'm going to come draw to a close in a minute and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God what kind of response he wants from each one of us. Because as we talk about poverty and responding to poverty and poverty being an issue, this is an overseas thing and it demands a response to the overseas crisis. But it's also a local issue, and it demands a response locally from us. We can't walk away. We can't pretend it isn't a problem. Jesus demands a response from us, so we're going to ask God what He wants to do, and we're going to pray about that. In terms of the overseas response, I want to just—I want to give you an invitation of like, come with us, join us. Will you? Join with us and support us in the work we're doing. Be part of that miracle. And in the forms that I gave you and this morning, there's an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Uh, You know, pray about that. I know that each one of you will pray really seriously. You'll be giving money and you'll be thinking about um, how you use your money and is this morning the lord asking you to use some of your money to join with us and become a partner of tier fund on that journey for such a strategic work to take place it might be so fill in one of those forms and give that to me if that's the kind of response you want to make but there's more than giving money there's giving money to organizations like tier fund there's engaging locally with organizations as well but um this is only if we're actually going to say yes to the Lord. And I know that actually sometimes we are a bit um, weary of the need around us. So we need the Lord to work on our hearts, uh, soften our hearts to respond in the ways that he's calling us to. So I want us to turn to prayer. And I wonder whether, if you can and you'd like to, if you'd like to stand. And let's give ourselves just a wait on God for a few minutes. We don't need to rush right away. Um, And do you know, I just want to give permission. It's okay if you have um, had a barrier up and been feeling, I don't know that I want to respond to this. You know, I want to be more comfortable. At least own up to that and say to the Lord, I'm sorry. That's often where I start when I think there's a challenge that I don't want to. It's like, I'm sorry. And I have this kind of prayer that says, I want to want to. So Lord, I want to want to feel this. I, you know, I know I should respond. So help me. So let's let's close our eyes to di- kind of distractions around us, and let's just invite God to um, stir up and increase His work in this place. As we've we've engaged with Scripture, we've thought about the way that God engages the world, the concerns on His heart. But right now, we want to come as His children before Him and. Um, we want to say lord here we are and we thank you that you are in this place thank you lord that uh, when we turn the pages of scripture when we look at history we can see the kind of god you are the things that are on your heart and as your children lord we we don't want to have hard hearts we're sorry lord for the times when we have got so caught up with our appetites for this world for comfort convenience and so we've turned away from those who are in need. And we are sorry, Lord. We, we don't want to live like that, to be like that, because we know that doesn't reflect your heart or your nature. So would you, even now, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, and be stirring in our spirits and in our guts a desire that our lives would reflect your heart and your nature. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, at this time of year when we are going to be so thinking about stuff and we're going to be feasting. Would you, Holy Spirit, come and help us get that right in our lives that we can both feast and fast, we can live sacrificially so that we spend money on those we love but we also look to the needs of those who don't have come holy spirit come holy spirit just express whatever is on your own heart to the lord in this quiet Ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And the reality, some of you are doing some great stuff already. I think the Lord wants to just shine his light upon you that you'd feel his pleasure. In the way that you're using your money, the way you're using your time, would you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, well done. I see my likeness in you. But there's maybe others of us who feel called to actually say, I'm sorry, Lord, I want to do something. I need to make a change in my life here. And I think before we kind of break up completely, it'd be great just to invite those of you who feel like the Lord stirred something this morning just to step out into the aisles or come to the front. And that to be a moment of saying to the Lord, here I am, would you strengthen me for the work you've called me to? Or would you take the little that I have? I may feel like I've got hardly anything I can give to this, but I want you to take it and use it for your glory. Or you might want to come forward and say, Sorry. But this is a moment for you and the Lord. What Can I just invite you now, if anyone feels like stirred to have a, a moment with the Lord about this, just to use the space in the aisles at the front to step out.
1: Yeah, why don't you come? I, I really felt the Lord speaking about the little in our hands. And I, I think that's directly related to this call. But maybe for yourself, I was praying with someone this week who just felt, you know, they were so weary because they were looking for the Lord's leading in some really hard times and they they felt that they were trying to give the Lord everything that they could with all of their strength and yet nothing was seeming to change. And I just wonder if there's a prayer here, just about any sense we have of the little in our hands, whether that directly relates to or you're in your own personal circumstances. Why don't you just come... And we're also, we love to pray for people for healing. We love to pray for people in any circumstance. So don't worry if you want to come for a completely different reason. Why don't we just come to the front? Let's see what the Lord wants to do. And I'm going to, I'd
0: love to pray with anyone who wants prayer at the back. And at the end, I'll be at the back if you want to come Thank and talk Jesus. with me more about tear Fun. But um, take a moment just to engage with the Lord about these things and what's going on.
1: Any sense you have a stepping forward with the Lord, why don't you just come? Space down to the left and right. That's it, that's it. Well done. That's it. Anything at all. Doesn't have to be whatever the Lord is saying to you and church family come and pray with people, please. A few minutes before we need to go. A few minutes before we need to go and collect children. Thank you, there are people coming. If church family you could just notice and come and join. Just is it just a little in your hand and you just want to give it to the Lord. You want his help with giving a little to the Lord. Feeling under pressure. Church family, can we come? This lady here, please. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of men to my left, please. Let's not leave people waiting if possible. Thank you. Thank you, God. More of you, God. More of you, God. Thank you, Jesus. More of you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. A couple of guys down to my left, please. Thank you, God. I think that word about debt was uh, earlier that I spoke about those who are, if you're here feeling weighed down by debt... Just come, just come. I think God wants to bless you this morning. If you responded to that earlier prayer about giving yourselves as, you know, and starting to follow Jesus, David, one of our pastors with the blue top, is going to be over by the bookstool at the back of church on my left. He'd love to just give you a book if you raised a hand and said that you would like to start following Jesus. If you prayed that prayer with me earlier, Just catch David at the back. He would just love to give you a book to help you in the beginning of your journey of faith, just your journey following Jesus. Go and find him quietly there at the back in the corner. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, more of you. More of you. Jesus. thank you I'm just going to pray a a prayer of God's blessing it will then be time to go over and grab some coffee or go and collect children so may the blessing of God Almighty who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on you as you go from this place this morning may you know his peace in your lives